You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Hurricanes lead the Canadians 2-1 in the second period. Also in the second period, 1-1 Jets and Blue Jackets. Partway through the first, Boston up 1-0 in Nashville. And late in the second period, Florida leads Washington 3-1. Still to come tonight, Detroit at Calgary. Devils take on the Blues. Flyers in Seattle. And the Sharks will tangle with the Golden Knights. The uh, Edmonton Oil Kings, couple of home games coming up over the Family Day weekend. They are home on Saturday and Monday. We're going to talk to a member of their team as we move along tonight and uh, Rogers place tomorrow there have been some fun games between these two teams over the years Rangers and Oilers 530 for the face-off show game at 7 right here on 630 Chad the Rangers have uh, made a big trade the Oilers uh, might make one <laughs> as we move towards the deadline I'm always happy to talk with uh, their analyst from MSG Network it is Dave Maloney checking in Dave you're on with Reed how are you doing sir Really well, Reed. How are you doing? I am. I am doing great. Now, are you out here, or are you uh, still still calling games uh, back at the studio? Uh, we'll be back. I'll be back. We're back in New York. I'll be back in New York. Okay. The, uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I always appreciate that you take the time to, to come on the show. I wish that Oilers and the Rangers were in the same division. We could talk more, but I uh, don't know if that's ever going to happen. Hey, yeah. b- before no, we, we dive into some stuff here, um, I, you you're you're one of those guys like there it, it's pretty rare for a player to play his whole career with one team right. there are a lot more right. guys like you that played almost their entire career with one team you got traded right. from the rangers to the sabers and what turned out to be your last year in the nhl uh, what were the circumstances of that deal back in december of 84 well, to, uh, in all uh, candor, I had gone from the number one cheerleader of Herb Brooks to deemed to be, in Herbie's eyes, a clubhouse lawyer over the course of four years. And I'll never forget, <laughs> they were just introducing video as far as coaching, um, uh, you know, supplements. And I remember he called me into his office upstairs at Rye Playland and put the video in. It was a VHS, right? And he said, well, you did this or you didn't do that. This is what you should have done. This is... And I said, Herb, listen, in all honesty, uh, hockey is a game of mistakes. And if you're looking for mistakes, you're going to find them. And I remember telling him, listen, if you looked at Gretzky's game, He's going to make me make mistakes too. Um, and once, and now if there's another issue going on here, then maybe we should talk about that. And I was gone to Buffalo in like three days. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much for my clubhouse lawyer or whatever. But and it was funny too, Reed. In all honesty, I played for him, and it just shows, you know, when you get towards the end. You know, I was fortunate enough that I, I decided to retire on my own. I had two years left on a contract. Uh, so right towards the end, they, you know, Herbie and his staff, I was a healthy scratch after being a captain and playing, you know, whatever amount of minutes and situations. And really it was the first time in my life somebody had ever told me that, they just weren't good enough to play. And, of course, at that age, that stage of life, you certainly think that they're idiots and you know everything, right? And it wasn't long after I retired that I realized that 
you know, Scotty, I finished with Scotty in Buffalo. So I went out thinking he was an idiot. And, you know, in New York, I finished with Herbie. I thought he didn't know what he was doing. And then I said to myself, well, Scotty had about 35 cups on his belt. And Herbie, he coached maybe the greatest one-game victory in certainly American hockey history. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'm the idiot, and it's probably time for me to go. So I retired. I've lived happily ever ever since. Yeah, well, a great broadcasting career since then for sure. <laughs> I die, and honestly, like full disclosure, I did not know that story. I thought I'm just going to ask yeah. Dave about to tell, uh, about the yeah. trade because you you always tell a good story. So thanks for your uh, your honesty yeah, well, there. In, in all honesty, you know that might be the first public admittance of the uh, of, of really how it played out. But uh, you know, and again, I, I you everybody. I think the point is, too, that I recognized how hard it would be, how hard it is for everybody when it gets towards the end of their career, let alone the great players. I, I can't imagine those great players that a lot of them can still play when they get out, but it must be very frustrating for them to know that they're not quite who they were and uh, interesting things like that. But those are topics for another day. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Thanks a lot for sharing that for sure. Dave Maloney joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So, uh, interesting times for... (laughs) For, for the New York yeah. Rangers, I guess it's been yeah. a week now, they, I, and I know there were other guys involved in the trade, but it's going to be remembered as the uh, Tarasenko trade. I, I'm just wondering, you know, your perception of, of the lead up to this and then it's seeing actually seeing the Rangers pull it off. Well, you know what, Reid? I, I think, honestly, the thing that has impressed me is the second deadline where Chris Dury and staff have added pieces that were important pieces and actually good fits. And, you know, if the, if Tarasenko and Mikola have any of the impact that the guys like Petrano and Kopp uh, and uh, off it had down the stretch last season, the range is going to be in good shape. So I, I think that's the first thing is uh, because the room got unbelievably galvanized uh, when, you know, Tarasenko and Nikola. And, 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 you know, Tarasenko, now the Rangers do have, there's Tarasenko and, and uh, Shusterkin and certainly uh, Panarin, so there is a Russian connection there. Um, but that the next day in the room, uh, I remember talking to Mika, um, asking what he thought. He said, boy, this is exciting. This is really exciting. And I think you often hear, um, you know, I don't know whether it's a conscious effort on management side, because I've never been on that side, uh, to make a move to galvanize the room, or whether the room actually believes, yeah, you know what, this is really good. The management is showing us that they're in it. And, well, that, that worked on this go-around. And, listen, there's still, I think the Rangers are going to play game 55 tomorrow night. So there's 27 more. There's still a lot of hockey to be played before it even counts. But to me, the second year in a row, Chris Drury and his staff have added pieces at very little cost. Um, that actually are really good fits. Tarasenko, obvious, and the sleeper in the deal might be Mikola, the defenseman. Yeah, well, and Rob Brown mentioned that the other day, that he really liked that, that Mikola went to the Rangers in that trade as well. The, the, the preseason expectations, I think, for both the Oilers and the Rangers were, were fairly high. 
I actually picked them to be the two teams who play in the Stanley Cup final. That would be fun uh, yeah. <laughs> because they yeah. tend to play seven, five games or one team had a three goal lead and it, you know, right. whatever. But, but maybe some competitive. You can tell me if I'm reaching here, but I look at the Oilers like at one point in the season, the Oilers were 10 and 10. And they're still mm -hmm. in a dogfight in the Pacific Division, but they've clearly taken off since kind of a mediocre mm -hmm. start. And I was looking back on the Rangers season. At one point, they were 11-10-5, which isn't right. that great. And now they're solidly in a playoff spot. So that, and that was kind of early December. Was there something that shifted then? Oh, boy. It was a game against St. Louis. They were down 3 nothing, going into the third and 1-4-3. Um, and what began to change then was the, the team, it just took time. Uh, you know, coming off, it's great to have expectations, and there are reasons to think that the Oilers and Rangers are going to be pretty good. You know, they're further along in their growth. They've got <laughs> absolute superstars in the league, goaltending, and uh, stuff like that. But sometimes it takes it takes time. So I think, and also a season ago, and I'm not sure this would be my last reference to last season, but um, the Rangers were competitive early because Shesterkin was all world. And then the, the, they figured out how to play. Then they made their acquisitions. This season, Shesterkin wasn't quite as all world. And he really hasn't been. His numbers aren't what they had been for the two years or year or whatever prior to coming into this season. But the team in front of him has learned to play. And you know what? They've got the defensemen, you know, the top four players have played together for the better part of the last two to three years. Um, Braden Schneider's going to be a hell of a player. You took out Nicola, you throw him in the mix. Everybody's a little bit older. The kids, they were great. Uh, you know, Heedle, Tackle, um, and Lafreniere um, coming into the season showed you know, in the playoffs last year that it looks like they might be able to play. It's taken some time, but they can play. So a lot of things. I haven't watched the Oilers as, as closely, of course, the Rangers, um, but you're always going to have a chance with the top top two or three guys from that hockey club. And get the gold painting, but there's a lot of there's a lot of developing going on there. It's two as a group, so I think you can make the you know a little bit of a story about the same franchises where expectations maybe just not quite clicking from a Ranger standpoint. The gold painting just wasn't what it was. So I would say if they, if, if it started now, uh, the Rangers are on a roll, Edmonton's on a roll, Boston's Boston, Carolina's Carolina. Those are the teams you'd have to kind of look at and go but there's still 27 30 games until it really starts and then it's another six and eight weeks there's a lot a lot of hockey left yeah for sure well uh rangers 7-0-1 in their last eight I could actually go back even further than that. They only, they only have two regulation losses this year uh, in 2023, mm -hmm. and the Oilers are 9-1-3 in their last 13. So it, 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 I hope it's another fun one tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it should be fun. The Rangers are, you know, they're scoring a few uh, goals. Uh, you know, you don't want to get in a position where you're outscoring your mistakes, right? Um, but they are last night. You just... Sometimes you still have to have the goalie that makes the save. 
and she's, she's certainly, certainly showing that capability, although I, I just not 100% certain he's been on the A1 Shesterkin game, which is, you know, out of this world. Um, but it should be fun. There are two teams that, boy, I watched that Detroit-Edmonton game uh, earlier this afternoon, and that third period in overtime was just spectacular. And the Rangers had a game like that against Calgary. There's a little more of an edge to that game, but, boy, when you get in a game where it's played hard and it's played skilled and they find ways to find open ice and there's an odd body check thrown in the way, that's really good stuff. Dave, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks uh, for your perspective on uh, a New York Rangers team that's doing excellent lately. And, of course, I uh, always appreciate the, uh, the the candid stories from your career as well, man. Uh, thanks, Reed. Anytime. And thanks for calling. And uh, have some fun tomorrow night. We'll see you down the trail. Right on. That is Dave Maloney checking in, New York Rangers broadcaster for MSG. Yeah, man, oh, man. Did uh, not have a good relationship there with Herb Brooks over the years with the New York Rangers. And, yeah, the, the Rangers just... I mean, this is uh, this is a, a tough matchup, as hot as anybody in the league. And going back a while, I guess I can I can kind of use a loss to Washington as a demarcation point for the Rangers season. They lost to Washington for nothing on December 27th. They were 19, 12 and five. They are now 32, 14 and eight. So that's 13, two and three. Uh, in their last 18 games. So that's pretty spectacular there for the Capitol or for the Rangers. And, of course, the Oilers have been uh, pretty good since Christmas as well. So uh, they've had some fun games. The The McDavid goal, when was that? Last, uh, no, I guess, November 5th, 2021 still in that season. Then earlier this year, Oilers down 3 nothing in the third. We're able to win it 4-3. They've had some entertaining tilts, and uh, hopefully we have one coming up tomorrow night at Rogers Place. Okay, I, I know a few of you uh, rode in in the last half hour, 780-496-0063, so we'll catch up on some of your thoughts. That is also the phone number if you want to give me a buzz. There are plenty of Oilers storylines, trade rumors, the return of Yamamoto, who might be uh, taken off the roster, just the overall play of the club. If, if you want to comment on that, I'm happy to talk to you. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Oh, that Bruce Springsteen come to Edmonton. You going to go, Kellen? Uh, that might be a little bit out of my price range right now. <laughs> uh, I heard that Depeche Mode is coming to town, too. Uh, that's going to be a good show. I might look into Depeche Mode. I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, so Springsteen is in November. So is Depeche Mode. I think no, uh, November 21st for they, Depeche Mode is they what get, I heard. They're booking. For, is, is, is it this summer that Rod Stewart finally comes? Uh, didn't they announce that 18 months in advance or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that, I think. That's, and don't forget, Metallica's coming here, but not this summer, next summer. Oh, yeah, that's the 2024 one, right? That's right. Yeah, they did that almost two years in advance. Mm-hmm. Well, you got a plan. You do. <laughs> Nothing like planning, everybody. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's like planning lunch with your buddy, uh, you know, for you know this coming Tuesday, uh, five years from now. It's you know? exactly like that. <laughs> Metallica concerts are exactly like planning lunch with your buddy. We gave away tickets to those shows. Yes, Friday, August twenty third, twenty twenty four. Yes. Sunday, August twenty fifth, twenty twenty four. That's well, right. Two two different sets, different opening acts. 
So that's pretty cool. And I would assume the Elks would be on the road that But what's a, what's a, what would be Metallica's biggest song? Enter Sandman? Would yeah, that be probably the most Sandman. well-known song? Yep, Enter Sandman. Okay, so say. if they are different sets, does that mean one of the audiences will not get Enter Sandman? Great question. And would you feel... Great question. Like, are they completely different sets, or will there be a little bit... Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to check into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it says two totally different sets with two totally different opening bands. So that means that somebody's if, – if, if that's their biggest song, their signature song, so to speak, and then it's, it's not going to be played. I find that interesting. What's the one they did? Um, a Whiskey in the Bottle. That's a cover. That's a yeah. pretty popular song. Yeah. I think they're associated with that. I don't know necessarily all the early Metallica, but certainly Enter Sandman, I feel like most music people would know, even if they're not big Metallica fans. Because it would be weird for me – Okay, Def Leppard's going to do two totally different sets. I, I would probably like that because I would want to hear some deeper cuts. But mm-hmm. some people would be like, well, you're not getting pour some sugar on me. Sorry. You know? I yeah. Know. But would you be comfortable with, like, bringing on to Heartbreak as the closer instead of that, right? No, I'm just, I, I would be. I'm just saying for somebody who doesn't <laughs> okay, always yeah. go to see Def you. Leppard or might only know six of their songs. Fair enough. And then is seeing them live, then, they were, then they're thinking, oh, one of the songs that I really know they didn't even do because yeah. it's at a different set. I mean, you know, the closer... That's, what, that's all I'm saying, Cal. Closer could be Sandman one night, and the second night you could get Master of Puppets. Like, that's you know, that's a good point. That's a really good point. All right, 780-496-0063. What do we have from our loyal 14 listeners? The 14 listeners are speaking on a text line here. We got one from Wayne who says, get Mr. Carlson. He reminds me of Mr. Flower LaFleur from Wayne. That's a pretty good uh, comparison there, I think. Um, see, I, that's an interesting text from Wayne. He, a, a, a man of few words. Mm-hmm. He just All he said was, get Mr. Carlson. I wonder how many fans out there I don't. I doubt it would be a majority. Well, maybe it would be, because because maybe like sometimes you see the people who are really vocal on social media or blogs or whatever, are the ones that analyze every trade and say, well, you can't trade this guy because what if he's good in three years or this guy doesn't get a lot of points, but his Corsi is good or his expected goals are good or or whatever. I I truly wonder how many Oilers fans are just sitting there thinking, and pardon my my language here, thinking, screw it, just get the guy. Just get Eric Carlson. Just just get him. Like, if they woke up tomorrow morning or if there was a trade announced during my show and I said the Edmonton Oilers have acquired Eric Carlson, that they would just shut their brain off. They would just think, fine, we got him. Don't care who was traded away. I mean, obviously, they, they, you know that some players aren't possibly going the other way. They just wouldn't care. Five first-round picks, Bouchard, Barry, Schaefer, Borgo, Lavoie, whatever. Just get the guy. Like, to me, that's what Wayne is saying. He doesn't really care what the Oilers give up. I, like, I wonder how many people, it's that simple. They don't want to overanalyze it. They don't care who's going to be good in 2028 for the Oilers. And if, and if you win the Cup, you're drafting 32nd overall. You know, that used to be middle of the second round when, when I was a lad. So, I don't know. I, I find that interesting from Wayne. Like, but maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the question we should be asking. Because the other night we were saying, you know, what would the trade look like? What would you do if you were San Jose? Maybe the question to Oilers fans is, do you care who the Oilers give up? Or are you just thinking to yourself, just get the guy. He's having an awesome year. He'll probably be awesome for a couple more years. Just go get him. 
you can sell the farm and then hopefully you win a cup or two and then you won't need a farm. That's a really bad comparison I was doing there. But you know what I'm saying. 780-496-0063.